Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of HR Works COVID-19 Update. We really appreciate you taking time out of your busy day to join us. I'm the host of HR Works, Jim Davis, and the editor of the HR Daily Advisor. In this episode, we are going to examine the nature of employer lawsuits that are COVID-related. We'll find out what lawsuits are on the rise and how employers can avoid them, hopefully. Here to talk about these and other legal issues is an employment lawyer and member of Clark Hill in Collin County, Texas, Kim Moore. Kim has been pragmatically solving employers' problems for almost 25 years. A board-certified employment lawyer with an MBA and extensive experience in and out of the courtroom, Kim is passionate in achieving the client's goals in non-compete, theft of trade secrets, discrimination, harassment, retaliation, and wage and hour matters. Kim genuinely enjoys her work, particularly understanding each client's business and its people. She serves as the member in charge of the firm's Collin County office. She's also an AAA-trained mediator. She uses her knowledge to help parties resolve all types of conflicts. Kim, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Um, My question is simple. Uh, What would you say are the most popular COVID-related lawsuits that you've seen or heard about? So they fall into a few buckets. Um, A lot of them, the most common one is retaliation uh, claims from an employee that they made a complaint about something. It could be personally, um, I said you weren't being safe in your workplace during COVID, or I made a personal complaint about I have my own COVID issue, whether it be a disabling condition, I wanted to take family medical leave for myself or my loved one. And then thereafter, something bad happened to me. I was terminated, I was furloughed, or I wasn't treated as fairly after I made this report as I was before. So those are the most common retaliation. And and I have some numbers. There are folks out there who are counting all of these. There are 805 as of the 15th of this month that claim retaliation. Wow. There are 486 wrongful termination claims out there that are COVID-related, 389 workplace safety claims, and then 369 discrimination claims. Um, So they all kind of fall into those categories with some overlap for things which we would call things like whistleblower claims, which kind of, again, overlap with some of the same things, meaning, you know, it could be in the healthcare arena, I made a claim and I'm making a, a claim that I'm a whistleblower because I said you weren't being safe, et cetera. But those are the biggest buckets. Um, we could get into some more detail, but of where we're seeing claims filed by employees. Oh, excellent. I, I wasn't expecting to get such details, but I really appreciate it. Um, can you just, do you have any sense of how this stacks up against um, other other lawsuits? Like, is this a, a good chunk of all the lawsuits going on or is it just represent a small fraction? Yeah. So I actually think it's smaller than what the gurus thought might be coming mm. after uh, such a change in the laws and a pandemic. Um, total count, there's uh, between 1,500 and 1,600 claims And it looks like we're slowing down, meaning it looks like over time, there were nine in March, there were 230 in October, 
And they're so far 82 in January. So if you kind of watch the trends, it looks like the numbers may be slowing down. And so while 1,500, 1,600 sounds like a lot of cases in the grand scheme of what we see, it, it isn't that many. Um, and hopefully we're kind of, we hope at the end of this pandemic, given that we're seeing, although the numbers are still climbing somewhat, but we're seeing you know, the vaccines in place, et cetera. Um, I, I'm hopeful that this isn't a huge you know, tsunami trend that we're seeing. There aren't that many class actions, for example. And so I'm pretty optimistic that this is going to be a blip on the radar. Well, that's probably good news for employers. I mean, when you think about how many different employers are out there, I mean, that must be 1,500 must be a tiny fraction of it. Not that, you know, it's nothing, of course, and nobody wants to go through a, through a lawsuit um, if they can avoid it. But uh, I still would like to discuss some of the individual buckets that you brought up. Um, let's start with retaliation because it seems like one of the more tricky ones. You know, a lot of organizations initially downsized or furloughed or both their employees um, and cut pay too. And then there was sort of a other waves afterwards where organizations that, you know, sort of corrected their finances with that first action, you know, six months down the road found that they had to do it again. And so you have a group of people that may or may not be getting exposed to coronavirus that you are going to fire probably anyway, or possibly anyway, I should say it. So it's just a tricky situation for an employer to be in knowing they're going to have to make layoffs and knowing that they're going to be getting employees that are are sick. Um, how would you suggest that employers navigate that situation? Yeah, it, it was difficult. It is difficult because the circumstances are so varied. And, and as you point out, the cases are very varied because each individual circumstance is varied. Um, and, and what I would say is you have to look at your circumstances almost one at a time, because if you have an employee who has a health condition, then you might have to take that as a special circumstance where that person does need an accommodation. Maybe they need to work from home. We've, we as employers and as employees have learned that a lot of people can work from home, but maybe not in every industry, maybe not in healthcare, maybe not in retail, maybe not in bringing folks back uh, to work in restaurants, but maybe there are still certain individuals that you have to give certain accommodations for, and you have to walk through that process. Um, to your point, in looking at furloughs, you have to try to be as objective as you can be for purposes of who needs to be furloughed, which jobs maybe can be um, brought back, which jobs it doesn't make sense to bring back, et cetera. And then if you're an employer doing that as objectively and fairly as possible, then you're going to mitigate some of these lawsuits, whether it be retaliation, whether it be wrongful termination, because you can say, look, these are the objective factors that we looked at, and it wasn't because of fill in the blank, you made a complaint, or your sex, or race, or age, or any of the other things that some of these lawsuits are now alleging. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I guess this is sort of a general question, but it applies here, which is that let's say that you're an employer um, and you had you had planned on eliminating somebody, and then they come to you and they say, "I have." COVID. 
I mean, as a, a non-employment lawyer, my instinct would be to say, all right, well, I'm not going to lay this person off because I don't want to, I don't want even the specter of, you know, discrimination or retaliation lawsuit. So I'll just let them, let them keep working. What, how, how do employers actually navigate that situation? Yeah, and, and it happens all the time, whether it's COVID or whether it's something else where the employee raises a, a situation that makes them in a protected category, right? That, that maybe the employer did not know at the time the decision was made. Um, and, and maybe there's documentation where this person was, their job was already going to be eliminated, or maybe even as an individual, they were going to be terminated on a date certain. And so then you have to navigate, well, are we still going to go through with this decision that was already made because it was based on potentially legitimate non-discriminatory reasons, right? It wasn't, we didn't even know this person had, in your example, COVID or some other reason, or are we going to wait now um, because this person now perhaps has protected leave under COVID that you know they before had the, the the weeks of leave, or perhaps they might be protected under other things as well, and we don't want there to be this issue, or we also as an employer don't want this person to be in that situation, um, and so you have to look at it as the employer and and make that determination because you as the employer weren't making it based on a bad decision, but it could look like you were making it right. based upon the fact that somebody had fill in the blank. Um, so, you know, that is a, that is a factual scenario that happens from time to time and you, and it puts you in a, in a little bit of a precarious situation. That's a, thank you for, for answering that. It's, it's one of those things where, it's so complicated, but people want, they want the answer and it's every individual situation is so different. Yeah. I mean, and I, you know, you've had people who say, well, you know, you can't terminate me because, you know, I'm pregnant. Well, that's not actually true. Uh, <laughs> I mean, yes, you're pregnant, but um, that doesn't mean you can't be terminated. You still have to perform your job. You still have to act appropriately. You still have to do all of the things that are expected of an employee. Yes, you're in a protected category, but it's not a get out of jail free card, if you will, meaning you can do whatever you want to and, and not be terminated. You still have to do all of the things you're supposed to, in, in my example, um, do you have a claim maybe if you're terminated when you're pregnant? Potentially, but the same as if you're in any other protected category. Um, it's not an automatic. Um, you mentioned that there was, you know, th kind of three major buckets you called them. It was, uh, let's see, discrimination, wrongful termination, and retaliation. What are the characteristics of those three kinds of cases? What, what I know that there's probably a lot of overlap, but uh, what are they? What are they looking like as far as the details or uh, the situation that leads to those? Yeah, they're all they're they're interestingly, if you read them, and I kind of glanced through some of the, they're all very factually um, different and interesting. Like some of them were, you know, hey, my employer didn't provide us with the right um, safety precautions. And so 
I felt like I had to resign. So kind of a constructive discharge situation. Mm. Some of these are in the healthcare arena. Some of them are in different arenas. Um, Some of them, and, and that kind of also falls in the workplace safety zones. So some of those allegations some of, and, and that also could be retaliation, right? And I raised it with HR, I raised it with my supervisor and they didn't do anything. And then shortly thereafter, I was terminated or I was written up and then I was terminated. So you see scenarios where people are alleging anyway that because of something they raised, some allegation, they claim that then ultimately that led to some termination or some, you know, ultimate, they they felt like they had to then resign. Um, We also are seeing um, allegations that these um, COVID lawsuits in the ADA arena, meaning in the Americans with Disabilities Act arena and family medical leave arena, where there's allegations that it wasn't handled properly with regard to requests for leave or, um, you know, did COVID qualify them for leave when it was either for themselves or for uh, care of a family member and how much time they had taken off and, you know, returning to work or being afraid to return to work and that ultimately culminating in them either um, resigning or being terminated. So a lot of what I'm going to call leave-related termination or resignation lawsuits and sort of the interplay there. Yeah, I um, I was just doing a podcast the other day focusing on single mothers. Um, well, not specifically single mothers, on working mothers. Um, you know, and a lot of what people had been seeing were... Um, People, you know, mothers that had gone home to work, you know, are allowed to work remotely, but they just can't dedicate as much time to their job. And, you know, if they're hourly, that's even more problematic. But even if they're a salary, you know, eventually some employers see them as, okay, they're not producing the amount of work they're supposed to be producing, so they fire them, you know. And it's a a complicated situation and one that I can only imagine invites lawsuits because that person isn't, they're not necessarily slacking. They're not necessarily, you know, um, trying to do do poorly, but they the circumstances have forced them to. Um, are you seeing cases surrounding like wrongful termination suits surrounding those kinds of circumstances? It, it does contribute, right? Because the person is not able necessarily maybe to return to the work site because of childcare issues, as you raised, Um, or even if they're working remotely, maybe the hours that he or she can devote vary. Um, Production, as you raised, has become an issue because a lot of the schools are requiring children to work remotely. And so that poses a challenge to Um, And so you're seeing that that kind of rub between employer demands and um, other demands in a situation that you're talking about there. And so what is reasonable 
for requirements from the employer side and what can the employee do because absenteeism is real and um, employers can impose reasonable requirements for absenteeism, even in a pandemic, as can they can require employees to produce. Um, That's reasonable as well. And so that's the rub between also the humanitarian aspect of yes, but we also understand that when the schools are closed and you're trying to um, educate your children and do all the other things that you're trying to do, um, you know, what is, what's a reasonable requirement there? Um, and, and, and then what do you do when it's somebody who, an employee who just won't produce or won't return to work? Um, and how do you manage that if you're a supervisor or an employer? Um, that's, a, that's a difficulty. Yeah, it, it really is. You know, one of the things that's been happening is that, you know, um, working mothers have been leaving the workforce vastly disproportionately than men um, or, or, or other genders. And I can, you know, if you spread that out across the whole country, whatever the percentage is, you know, I, it, I just I don't have the figures with me, but it's a it's a lot. It's a lot of women leaving. Um if those women are getting fired instead of leaving because they're not able to focus as much, I mean, I can only imagine that as these add up, there's going to be trends that appear within individual companies, particularly large organizations, that would be discriminatory uh, just by their existence, even if it wasn't necessarily intentional. Are, are you seeing anything along those lines? Are you seeing people getting ready for that or, or talking about it at all? I haven't seen that. Um you know, I, I think you're talking more in terms of potential uh, disparate impact, and you're also talking in terms, of, perhaps, of class actions. And yeah. the class action pieces we have seen have not been in that realm. Um, we've seen more uh, wage and hour, if, if it impacts wage and hour issues where people haven't been paid properly, for example, or because you see you see off the clock issues now where people are working at home more, um, and there's variability there. Um, we've seen some class action Warn Act issues where you know entire uh, we call them plants, but they're not necessarily plants, but where entire groups of people are let go, and those acts aren't followed. But but the class actions we've seen as a, as it relates to COVID have been more along those kinds of lines so far. I haven't seen what you're talking about, the trends where, you know, because of the forces of sort of what has happened, you're almost talking, um, you know, as a result of the whole, um, it has had a disparate impact on gender or um, working mothers even. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. I, uh, I, I just hard to imagine that there's not going to be legal consequences for this disproportionate level of people leaving the workforce. Um, I mean, there's going to be plenty of social consequences and financial consequences, 
And usually when that happens, it's not long afterwards before someone figures out how to prosecute those. It's an, it's an interesting, you know, it's an interesting thought. Um, and I'd be interested in some of, especially some of the social, um, I don't know if it's social psychology of it. Um, but it, I mean, it even, it impacts, and we're different. We're, we're a little sub, sub psychology of it all, but it impacts lawyers, right? I mean, I've seen it with, with the groups of folks that I work with. I, we, you know, people send things in at two o'clock in the morning and you know, it's because of the reality of what you're talking about. They're trying to make life work. Yeah. And you're not the first lawyer to say that about lawyers. Um, <laughs> You know, it's one it's one of these rare things that is fairly ubiquitous. You know, we're we're getting just COVID in general. You know, there's no immunity to it uh, because you're rich or because you work in a white collar job or a blue collar job or, um, and in some ways, and it's not really necessarily relevant to the employment law arena, but it's been a great equalizer for leadership understanding their workers. Um, uh, it's just one of those things that's, I don't know, right now it's all academic and very interesting. I, I do have one more concrete question, however, um, sure. which a lot of last year's holdup of the um, stimulus package was because uh, certain groups, certain political groups wanted protections put in place for employers surrounding wrongful deaths. So if you're an employer and you didn't do the right thing and your people got sick and died from COVID, or maybe even if you did do the right thing and some of your employees got sick and died from COVID, uh, there were those who wanted them to be liable for that. <clears throat> I think that's suggesting that that those li liabilities are still there. Are you seeing wrongful termination suits occurring or what's going on in that realm? No, I'm sorry, not wrongful termination, wrongful death. Yeah, so in my in, in looking at the trackers out there, there were several wrongful death suits out there, um, and some of that sort of depended on the states and the state laws. Um, but there were quite a few, and they sort of fell in that bucket we talked about, where there was an argument about uh, workplace safety that you didn't keep the worker safe and ultimately that led to the wrongful death lawsuit. Um, and it, you know, obviously it was brought by someone else, the estate or the um, surviving spouse or right. the children. Um, but yes, it was a handful. It wasn't, it wasn't maybe thankfully, um, but you know, in the sense of, you know, hopefully there aren't that many people out there with those kinds of claims. Um, but, uh, there are some out there and I agree with you that I haven't seen any legislation that would prevent those kinds of lawsuits. I, I don't do wrongful death lawsuits. My two cents on it is, it, you know, it may be pretty difficult to prove the causation piece of that. Um, but certainly they can be brought. All right. Yeah. Well, thank you. Um, any, any final thoughts or anything you're thinking of? you know, what you're likely to see on the horizon? No, I mean, I think we'll still continue to see, especially in the employment arena, more, you know, more of these as, as we go, um, 
you know, because it, you know, there's still time for them to be filed. Um, you know, as a consequence, as I I would say, as a consequence of how people feel about how they were treated by their employers during COVID. And so, you know, the advice on the employer side is, you know, just continue to be very thoughtful about that as we make our way, hopefully through the end of this pandemic. Well, Kim, thank you very much again for joining me today. Thank you. Take care. Absolutely. Listeners, Please check back next week for the next episode of HR Works COVID-19 Update. Remember, you can always follow us on Twitter at HR Works Podcast. Thank you for listening. This is Jim Davis with HR Works.